on today's player pool. I briefly discuss the state of the player pool podcast show, my thoughts on how we've been doing and what we're going to try to be doing the rest of the year. And then I jump into lineup review, pretty lengthy lineup review this time, taking my time to really go over everything and give my general thoughts on the players that both lifted me up and let me down. Finally, a new segment, good play or bad play. You know, one thing I think that's lost in all this Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift mania is the fact that no one's considering Taylor Swift may make a very great linebacker. I mean, we all know she knows how to tackle the high notes. Ooh, I'll see myself out. Let's go. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboyne. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, to the Player Pool Podcast. I'm happy you're here. I think more and more people, as we go, are getting happier that they're here as well. After last week, while it was a lower overall scoring week, still had a couple listeners shoot me some screenshots of victories, first time victories, realization, uh, just being in the winner's circle. And that's such a, a great feeling. Maybe I'll f- learn how that feels this year. It, it's a good feeling. It not only is it fun to win and to, you know, have that extra money that comes with being at the top, but it also just creates so much inner confidence in you as a fantasy football player that you know what you're talking about. And that is all I ever seek in daily fantasy sports is validation that when I'm having those water cooler talks with my friends or I'm on the headset or gaming at night or I'm in the group chats that when I say something about football, I know what the hell I'm talking about. And there can be weeks, there can be months where it doesn't go your way. Or if you're you know, in a season-long league and you, you had to pick Justin Jefferson because you had the first overall pick, uh, you know, and then he gets hurt, you know, that can make you question as your team suffers throughout the year. Is this sounding a little too on point? This is happening to me in one of my leagues I'm in. <laughs> but seriously, it can make you question, like, man, do I even know anything? You know, and to get to that winner's circle, to routinely be up there at the top, it is a reminder that when you are in more control, which you can be in daily fantasy sports, unlike any other fantasy football game mode, when you're in full control, you truly are one of the best. So congratulations to the player pool listeners uh, that scored big this week. I gave a shout out to, to one of our very first listeners out there, Lamar. You had a great, great week. Keep carrying that forward. Lamar actually showed me a little bit about how he tracks, you know, his his winnings and, and, and things going on. And I love that attention to detail and keeping a good record because that's how you'll have a, an entire season's wor- worth of results. And it, it's just great to have that continuity end to end, not just live in the week and in the moment. So cool to keep that record, keep it, Lamar, keep it up. Super excited for you. So uh, I did tweet it out if you were looking – Sunday night, if you were looking around like, where's Austin's lineup review? Oh, man, he must have bombed super hard if it's not out now. No, I just, I've reached a point where I never want this show to become just like a a job, right? And I've told a couple people, this is my structuring year for the show. I actually, if everything goes well, I'd love to just do this year in and year out and keep this little community that we have here together. Although at the rate we're going, I think... 
it'll be uh, maybe I need to hand over the headset to somebody else and start taking points. The rate we're going, routinely player pool listeners are are scoring higher than me already, which is so fun to see. But no, I, this is a structuring year for me. I am trying to figure out how to balance this podcast, keep the podcast quality high, which I'm still learning how to do that as well. So I'm trying to learn how to do that. And I'm also trying to maintain my own DFS game, which I can say in the first few weeks of this season, I think the DFS actually got second priority, third priority through the week, and I was giving all my effort to the pod. So I've kind of brought some of that time back to be devoted to DFS work and making my own lineups. And I feel a lot better the last two weeks how I've approached it. And it's shown I've been all over, you know, the top like eight through 12 in these leagues the last couple of weeks. So, uh, but yeah, I'm learning that. Learning how to structure the show, make sure that there's just quality content, not just a crazy guy ranting <laughs> on this thing. And then at the same time, I did you know start a, a small business uh, a few months back, so I also have my hands full during the day with that. So a lot of these re- recordings are done under time constraints and late at night, but I love it. I just, I do. It's added something so rewarding in my life to share something I'm so passionate about and, and to see it then be able to be transferable and successful with other people, truly an amazing feeling. So super pumped. But yeah, so I didn't did throw my lineup review out Sunday. Uh, we had a lot of things going on, and I just felt like I didn't want to sit down three different times in the week, put the headset on, and and structure you know three different podcasts. Yeah, at the same time, I also just took note that the lineup review is usually only about 10 minutes. So if I folded that into the show, it wouldn't be too bad. So that was kind of my reasoning. I just didn't feel like for what it was taking in terms of time, in terms of a rep, we weren't really getting a lot of distance or usefulness out of that rep. So until I feel like, you know, maybe it's more warranted to have a instant reaction show come out Sunday or even, you know, Monday morning to really be catching on to the recent news off of Sunday, you know, until I can find it that how that works better. I think I'm just going to keep the lineup review in this Tuesday episodes. Uh, But I will say, too, by not doing the instant reaction game, right? Because all the media, all the podcasts, all the personalities and stuff, they just want to feed you exactly what you're hungry for in the second. They want you to digest that and keep moving through their stuff. I'm not coaching that. I'm not coaching you that the minute you're done with one player pool and the main slate ends, that you need to just scratch it and start your next player pool and start obsessing about the next week right over, right? Like, I've told you guys many times, take a break. After main slate's over, Monday and Tuesday, don't even pull away from football, you know, and then by Wednesday, maybe start looking at it. So I think that's just healthy for you to maintain, you know, the speed you're at in the beginning of the season to the end of the season. So another thought I had is like, why would I coach that with you guys? But then when it came down to creating the show, I'm trying to just jam and crunch and and catch that early wave, uh, you know, for whatever reason coming off the Sunday main slate, you know, trying to catch that instant, instant reaction. So yeah, I thought, well, if this podcast is going to go the distance, especially early as I'm still experimenting with things, then I can go ahead and fold the DFS lineup review into this episode. So that's my full thoughts. You know, I, I think it's just good to just be transparent, completely share everything I'm thinking on this. And uh, if you're some of you are out there strongly disagree and that that lineup review is your favorite eight to ten minutes of sports media week, and now your, your week's completely upended because you don't get to listen to my – you know, beautiful voice three times a week, then by all means, let me know. and We can make adjustments if, if the need is that dire, but I have a feeling it's good to just go down to two, two times a week for now. Okay. So with, 
With that being said, without further ado, let's get into the lineup review. So, um, good week overall for me. Let me do some quick math on the percentages. It was a loss week for for me, 20% loss this week. And again, just like last week, I am actually very frustrated. I was very frustrated Sunday night because I had two lineups that ended up scoring less than a point apart from each other. But there were two lineups I had that were hovering at like the eighth position in all the leagues. And then uh, what happened is the second lineup I had that ended up coming up and almost matching my lineup, it had all the players that was then pushing me kind of a little bit more out of the money, if that makes any sense. So, you know, basically one lineup was set to go. It just had a guy that needed to perform, and he didn't perform. The second lineup that was a little below it had Cup in it, who was having a great game, which brought him up, which was nice to have a second lineup cashing. But I think what that also did is because Cup was pretty well owned, it did just kind of edge me out of the the good money that could have at least brought me even or a little bit over like I was last week. So, And I was just super frustrated. Like heading into the afternoon slate, I had more players, more minutes of game time to play than anybody in the top 15. And I had DeAndre Swift, Tyler Conklin, and New England Patriots defense, which did not fail me. And for whatever reason, I just can't bust through. I'm just like, why can't this just be the week that Tyler Conklin just catches that 15-yard touchdown? Why can't this just be the week where I'm playing Swift and he's in the right lineup at the right time and he does just eat through a defense, two touchdowns, 120 yards? You know, just give it to me. You know, I've paid my dues, DFS gods. Why? Why are you doing this to me? So that was my Sunday frustration, but... That's DFS too, and another reason you got to take some time off in between slates because you this this whole DFS thing it's all about throwing the perfect pitch every single time, and you know watching you know watching that pitch get belted out of the park nine times out of ten. You still got to come back, you still got to rear back, and you got to chuck your best throw every time, and it's just those few that get by that are really going to pop for you. So. Got to bring that energy every week. So anyway, all right, let's get to this lineup review. I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with the worst one. And the worst one might be the worst lineup of the year for me, but I don't think it's my fault. I liked this lineup. It was actually kind of my naked uh, fields catch-all lineup. So, you know, when you're making all these lineups in your player pool, what you should be doing is putting a giant circle next to each player's name. And after, especially you've done like the QB stacked, lineups you need to go through and start xing through those little circles to see who you have and who you still out of your preferred players and everybody else in your player pool who you have left to fit in and so this lineup was just like let's just get all the rest of the guys in and i did want to have a fields and jordan addison lineup just for like a mini game stack but if you were following along this sunday you know at least partly why this lineup are you know is dead in the water this thing only scored 64.62 points that might be like a couple years of a low for me. That's one of the lowest ones ever. So anyway, like I said, this one had the mini stack, Justin Fields, Jordan Addison, you know, Justin Fields hurts his wrist, refuses to run the football, uh, and just, you know, only scored 5.9 points. Brutal. Addison actually had a pretty good game, uh, at least fantasy points wise. He had a touchdown, three catches, just 28 yards. That kind of hurts him. Uh, and then the rest of these were really just kind of hodgepodge. I'm quickly looking to see if... Okay, there were some still some mini correlations in here. Good. So I had David Montgomery, who was in a negative matchup, but he's basically at that point, he was projected for such high ownership. I felt like I had to have at least one share of him uh, because, you know, all these thumbs on a scale, that one thing that can they can all get ran through by is just overwhelming opportunity. Well, guess what? 
David did not get overwhelming opportunity this past weekend. Only six carries before I think he left with injury. Then I had him mini stacked up with Mike Evans, who to me was in a positive game script, positive matchup, but uh, not good points, barely positive points. 6.9 points, four catches, 49 yards. So those two little mini game stacks completely blew up in my face outside of Addison, you know, putting up a slightly respectable number. And then I just sprinkled in my favorite play, you know, my favorite plays here. I had Mixon, who, again, I just need to accept is not what he was anymore. He can't knife through the offensive line. He's not going to fall forward when he's tackled anymore. It's just not that time anymore. I also had an exposure cover play in this line with Puka Nakua. And a lot of people are going to be down on him after this last week. I think that's just how the cookie crumbled this week. And he could easily get back to it uh, next week. So I wouldn't stay away from him. But in this game, yeah, disappointment. And that's what it's going to be when you have two receivers like that. Uh, on the same team. So, yeah, this one, he only scored 4.6 points. And then I had uh, probably my favorite bargain bin tight end option this week was Tyler Conklin. He only did 3.9 points. And then I did have the value play of the week, Chuba Hubbard, who has been in this position before, guys. I just want you guys to be clear. Don't get overly excited for him to be 6,200 next week and starting. He's been in this position before and absolutely failed, but that was not the case against Miami which may tell you more about Miami than it should Hubbard. But he did well. He was you know, actually the best player in this lineup, shockingly. 15.5 points at 20% ownership. And then I was able to use a little bit of le- leftover luxury money to get up to the Cleveland Browns defense against San Fran. No idea that the Browns are going to pull that off. I just picked it purely off talent. Uh, the Browns, to me, have the best talented defense in the league. And uh, just to get them on a discount with a West Coast team traveling to the East Coast, I thought that was smart. Quite frankly, it didn't burn me. I think it was. I think their defense cost only about thirty six hundred. Gave me six points. You know, it doesn't kill you. What kills you is the other eight guys barely breaking double digits. All right, that's the worst lineup in the history of my DFS play. <laughs> Next lineup, hundred point eight two points, respectable, just not there. Again, Justin Fields' second naked lineup play of the week. Brutal to see him go down that early in the in the day. And to know that two-thirds of my lineups, or I'm sorry, one-third of my lineups just became defunct, uh, that's pretty upsetting. So this lineup, the idea I had behind it was I wanted fields again. They, again, just do a bunch of catch-all of players I couldn't fit into into game stacks. And then I also wanted K.J. Osborne individually in a, in a lineup with fields. I just did not believe that Osborne and Addison could both have a day. And unfortunately, neither really had that much of a spectacular day. So... Between Fields and Osborne, looks like I got about 12 points. Brutal. Uh, Then the second main idea here that I had in this lineup is I wanted the two power-punching running backs. So I I wanted Kyron Williams and Raheem Mostert, who I thought were easily going to be RB1 and 2 on the slate. I was half right. Mostert obviously goes off for a slate high 32.7. Kyron Williams, 21.8 points. Great play. So, like, I was kind of on point here. It just gets worse after that. So... I hadn't had much of Calvin Ridley, and I still view Calvin Ridley as this high-end stud, but I'm starting to falter there in my faith. So uh, at his 70,000 or 7,100 price, only four catches, 30 yards, 4.6 points. Not the first time this year he's tanked one of my lineups. Uh, then I had, uh, I think it's, is it Joshua Downs? John Downs? J- Jay Downs. Wish FanDuel would put the full names on here. Um, <laughs> I think it's Josh Downs is what it is for Indianapolis. He is 54, 5,600. He actually did his job for the value play receiver play, right? 10.6 points. He did his job. Nothing to complain there. 
Oh, that's right. This lineup, the main idea was put three big horses in there at running back. So the third horse there was Bajan Robinson. Another disappointing week for his fantasy players. I would coach you to keep at it, keep at him. I mean, he got what you wanted in this game. He got his 18 touches. So just kind of keep pumping it with Bijan. I think he's going to reward you sooner rather than later. And then I got hooked on the Buccaneers defense uh, kind of late in the weekend, and I don't regret it. I mean, it was super low cost play. It did get me only four points, just not a lot of defensive stats is really what keeps us a bad play. They only give up 20 points at the end of all this. So uh, could have been more there, but nothing I'm upset about. What really just absolutely kills me here is unspectacular Bijan Robinson and humongous letdowns from Osborne and especially Ridley. And then it doesn't help again when your quarterback shows up 15 points less than he absolutely should have had. So that's why that lineup dies. Next lineup scored 104 points. This was the old trusty Burrow stack. Now, this lineup, I even at this point cannot be mad at. If you were watching this Sunday and you were watching like Red Zone, you would have seen Seattle and Cincy on the Red Zone the entire first half of the first round of games in the end of the morning. That was constantly on there. Now, if you notice something, though, if you kept watching Red Zone, that only tracks scoring drives and teams when they're in the Red Zone. When the second half hit on that first round of games, this game fell off the freaking map. I was so excited because this game had everything I wanted. It was back and forth. The right guys were getting the ball because I had Burrow, Kenneth Walker, Mixon, and Chase. And... Kenneth Walker gets himself an early touchdown. He's getting a lot of goal line looks. The Seattle keeps getting down by the goal line. I'm excited. Unfortunately, two of those times down by the goal line just ends in field goals. Brutal. But then Cincy, too, the wheels just fell off in the second half. This this game was on track to be the highest scoring game of the slate, and they don't score. They maybe scored three points in the second half. Absolutely brutal. This lineup early, early in the in the day was the top of absolutely everything, including large field GPPs. And then the, the momentum just fell out from under it. And I'm sorry, this stack was even bigger. Not only did I have the three Bengals with Kenneth Walker, I had Tyler Lockett here too, who was six catches, 94 yards, and kept getting the target. So I was shocked this thing didn't even cash. And on top of that, the individual plays I had in here were great. I had uh, Jalen Waddle, seven catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown, 14.6 points on 6 .8, a 6,800 price. So he's nailing his value. I got lucky having you know Chuba Hubbard in here at the value. We know he did well. Even Evan Ingram, who I just had enough money to get up to, 7.6 points, which is more points than usual for a tight end. I'm just I'm blown away. I'm blown away this lineup didn't make it. But when you game stack, you've got to have that, that speed and momentum, the, the scoring rate, and I just didn't have it. So sad. <laughs> sad. This one easily could have won one, but it just it fell off a freaking cliff. So uh, next next uh, lineup here, I'll try to move a little quicker here. Uh, I scored 109.8 points in this lineup. This was my Jalen Hurts lineup. So I went pretty low on this just out of respect to the Jets' defense. And, uh, you know, I should have shown a little bit more respect. But uh, Jalen Hurts and just A.J. Brown stack for this one. And they did, honestly, nothing to complain about. And as I'm looking at this now, i got to figure out why this one didn't score. Oh, that's right. So, <laughs> Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown combined for 39 fantasy points. Fantastic. And then I wanted to cover some exposure here. Devontae Foreman uh, was pretty popular. 
it'll be high owned. So, and I needed a value plug in here. So I just kind of dutifully to cover my exposures plugged him in at this point. There was no other good reason besides that. Nobody else I really correlated him to, uh, except for his defense. This lineup also had the Bears defense, which gave me 10 points. The foreman only gives me 7.2. That is the thing about value running backs. Like, just because their value, pure value, like Chuba Hubbard, for example, 5,500, fantastic. But you still better hope he gets you 11. Like, you can't punt running back positions like you can tight end or even to a certain degree wide receivers because the the gap between the usable, the good ones, the the solid start day running backs, and these guys who just are backups who get the start and then don't perform – if you, if you fail in one of these running back slots, you're kind of in trouble because it's just the next guy can easily get get up there. You know what I mean? There's just there's only like eight solid options a week at running back that you know aren't going to fail you absolutely, right? Like Bijan Robinson fails you, but he scores you 10 points. In this lineup, Josh Jacobs is who I had. Yes, he fails me, but he scores 10.3. Like you can recover from that. You can't recover from a value running back scoring you like six, seven points or less you know and that's kind of what foreman did here 7.2 so keep that in mind it's a, it's such a delicate balance i mean the value you can get out of a running back like a jerome ford who does 20 points for you you know when he's sub 6k there's no better value in dfs but you gotta gotta be careful here so anyway back to my lineup sorry that's just a little value running back rant to the side so anyway let's kind of restart this real quick but jalen hurts aj brown then i wanted i needed to get an exposure cover to josh jacobs i got that done I stacked Foreman with the Bears defense. I thought that was pretty a pretty savvy correlation at the time. And then I got a mini game stack here with Amon Ross St. Brown, who had a fantastic day, 24.4 points. Chris Godwin, pretty low price, 6,200, I think, if I recall. And he got me 10.7. Again, doesn't kill you. And then what does kind of kill me here is I'm just plugging in, you know, Mixon, who felt like a safe play, and he do, he's not safe. He's Joe Mixon. He's not safe for fantasy, and he's apparently not safe as a neighbor uh, to have as a neighbor either. So he only does 7.7 points. That weighs me down. And then I took a big risk here and played Durham Smythe on Miami just because he was 100 less than Conklin than the 4,900 tight ends. And that 100 less is all I think I needed to have everybody else in this lineup that I felt was a mega strong lineup. And, you know, it turned out not to even cash, but... My fear gives me a big old zero, which cannot happen. I say disrespect the tight end, absolutely, but they still need to bring you three to four points, you know, at all. They still need to kind of hit one X value uh, to make, you know, a little sense. So the big goose egg kind of tanks this lineup. All right, now we're into the two winners. These ones, you know, I was down on them, but they still scored well. In the leagues, they scored anywhere from seven, you know, through 12, and and they scored in – most leagues. I would say they scored in about three-fourths of the leagues that they were in. Some got edged out. Uh, but the, the second highest scoring lineup of the week I had, this was my Jag Jag stack here. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, again, pedestrian. Pedestrian. Now he leaves this he leaves this game with a knee injury, and I'm not even sure when he did. But 15.74 points. I don't think he's broken 20 all year. Maybe once, if someone wants to correct me. But he's he's starting to look like kind of a non-option, closer to the Kirk Cousins line of DFS uh, than I think I I want to give him credit for. I'm just so attracted to his weapons. Uh, but anyway, the stack here was Lawrence, and I went double wide receiver stack for I think the first time this year. So I went Ridley and Kirk, and Ridley again just tanks me in this. So that was the stack. 
And I did not run anybody back on that stack either just because I don't really believe in the Colts team. But I saw people that ran Pittman back. Even um, Strong would have been a good play here. So I should have put more mindset to that. But I think I have my mind to get another cover to Exposure, who I'm going to move up into my slate breaker uh, list moving forward. But that's that's Cooper Cup. He was in this lineup, 24.3 points, 7 catches, 148, and a tutty. I mean, the guy's back. There's no other way to say it. I know he's on the wrong side of 30, but these guys over the wrong side of 30, they got to prove it to you that they don't have anymore. Uh, I, I never try to be the first one to sell these guys. I ride them into the ground. So Cooper Cup looks like he's floating well above the ground. He looks great. Happy that I plugged him in here. Uh, my two running backs in here. Uh, let's see here. Oh, real quick, back to Cup. I did find my correlation there. I did correlate him kind of. Sneakily to Zach Ertz, unspectacular Zach Ertz, two catches, 22 yards, 3.2 points. But I was able to correlate that. So see that? Like I have a, a little game stack, double wide receiver stack, and then like find myself a little mini game stack. And then I found myself another mini game stack with Chuba Hubbard and Raheem Mostert, two running backs and running back on running back, you know, mini game stack. So that worked out for me super well. Those two players combined for 48 Plus points, that's fantastic. So, um, and then you know Bucks D down there at the, at the end. So really, this lineup doesn't take the head off of the week because once again, Calvin Ridley just cannot be special. That's what it is. I mean, that's that's truly the real and only reason this lineup doesn't win and, and go number one across the board. So, Calvin Ridley, you know, pretty high owned. So who's to say that's a guaranteed win for me? But already flirting with the with the top here. And, you know, he's all I needed to kind of go over the edge here. But he just didn't do it. And the highest scoring lineup of the week, 127.18. This was, you guessed it, my Dolphins stack. You got to get all these Dolphins. As many Dolphins as you can every single week. In fact, the reason I played Smythe in that other lineup who got me zero was because I had the feeling that, you know, you know, damn it, I'm playing Tua, I'm playing Mostert, I'm playing Tyreek Hill, I'm playing Jalen Waddle. I swear to God, if a touchdown leaks out to Smythe, I better benefit by it. I just did not want to miss a Dolphins touchdown this week. Uh, and I think I was successful. <laughs> I mean, across my lineups. But, yeah, the, the, the Tua, Hill, Waddle stack is nuclear. Uh, let me do some quick math here. But, let's see, 47, 57, 60. It's so like 62, 63 points across those three players. Insane. Insane. So, had that stack in there. I also stacked Chuba in there as well. So there you go, another 15.5 points. So that is a four-person game stack that is, it. I mean, just you can't really get better than that, quite honest. So pretty proud of that. Travis Etienne knew he was a really good play. My instincts were saying to get two shares of him. I only ended up getting one because, again, I wanted to cover all my exposures. Uh, but he's a workhorse. I think he has the most running back touches in the NFL at this point. Uh, through six games. So he had himself a great day, two touchdowns. He just looks good out there. He looks like that NFL running back uh, you, you think of. So not a lot of yards, but he, he definitely looked like he was kind of in control when he did have the ball. He's involved in the passing game too. Lots of likes. So 21.8 points out of ETN. Did not stack him again. I kind of got sucked into the Viking love with these new receivers and new opportunities. So KJ Osborne kind of rounded out this lineup. Only 6.8. That sucks. And then, yeah, he, going into the afternoon slate, like I said at the beginning, just pain. I had Conklin, Swift, and the Patriots. I was positioned, I think it was like in the low one, 110, like in the teens there. And I'm like, oh, man, 
Swift does 20. Conklin does 8, 9. You know, Patriots even surprised me for 8 or 9, and I win, finally. You know, after five or six weeks, I'm at the very top. Yay. And it's brutal. I mean, I saw Swift early. He scores a touchdown, but then after that, here comes a fumble loss, which to me just always is a downward trend from there, and that kind of proved true. He barely scored after that fumble. And the and the Eagles, you know, surprisingly got upset in this game too on top of it all. But, yeah, there's missed opportunity when I look at those three at this lineup. But, honestly, at the end of the day, Swift does get 2x value or 1.9x value, so he actually does hit his target there. Uh, Conklin d- comes in just slightly below his value of what I wanted. New England Patriots were a value defense play, so – you know, as long as they're scoring three points for you, you can't really complain, although you would like to see just a little bit more. Uh, but I think the, the Patriots are about to get themselves relegated to the XFL anyway, so maybe this will be my lesson for the rest of the year. Okay, that is all of my lineups. A little bit more lengthier review, but like I said, I want to focus a little bit more on quality, and uh, those are kind of just more of my structured thoughts. I just want to also take it slower through the review. So uh, that's everything for this week. Now, one thing I want to head into, it's kind of a new segment, kind of toying with it, but it's called Good Play or Bad Play. So let's check it out. I was probably watching a snip of the Falcons game and heard Drake London's name when this idea came to me for a new segment. It's called Good Plays or Bad Plays. Basically, what the goal is, is to look back on the week and pull up the results of players, whether they be good results or bad, and kind of discuss if they were good plays to begin with or not. One pitfall in DFS, and especially if you are really plugged into the player picks articles, right, or you're just constantly on social media taking just these other player picks, analysts, experts, quote-unquote, their advice is they're very trendy, very hype-driven, and... They're very reactionary. And if you've played DFS long enough, you've definitely been in that era where you are just flipping back and forth, trying to catch so-and-so's hot streak at the right time. And if you've played the player pool so far throughout this year, I think one thing you have seen already be removed from your DFS experience is just the pain of, you know, missing out on the big game and, and then, you know, joining, join, picking a player when he's, you know, put up a stinker. So, I thought it'd be cool to just, you know, hey, let's look back in hindsight. Regardless of the outcome, was it a good play? Let's start at the quarterback position. And if you were listening to me on Friday's show, I even called this. I said the Falcons were going to come out, I think to some degree, I said most points of the season, but also that they were going to throw and score well. And on the Falcons level, is 16 points them scoring well? It might be. Anyway... You know, Desmond Ritter, best game of the season for him individually, at least on a fantasy level, maybe not on a football level. He goes for 19.08 FanDuel points, fantasy points, for 2.8x value. Now, I know there's listeners out there that struggle with the quarterback and are constantly negotiating with themselves or maybe with me about why they could find more value and go down in price at quarterback. Quarterback in DFS is tough because – most of the time picking from the same five to six quarterbacks regardless. And there's just not a lot of diversity up there. Rarely does a quarterback, you know, like all years we've been waiting on, you know, can CJ Stroud be an option? No, you know, so quarterback, very slim pickings all the time. So I know what you're thinking. Desmond Ritter, dirt cheap. You sure? You sure? He's doing 2.8 X value, but was he a good play? 
The answer is... He was a bad play. And here's why. Before this game, Atlanta, at home, favored. Desmond Ritter goes into the game facing a negative game script, assuming he's even playing for a coaching staff who would ever approve him to throw 47 times like he did in this game. 47 times. That's insane. That's how many times a guy's got to throw for a Drake London to get nine, nine targets in a football game. Keep that in mind when you see London's big old target numbers. It came off 47 throws. Of course he's going to have nine targets. But anyway, no. Ritter, not good. Off the cuff from the beginning. Was a terrible play. He doesn't even break the 20-point threshold that I say all quarterbacks, regardless of price, have to break, right? So, bat all around. He barely breaks 300 yards on 47 attempts. Holy crap. And on a football level, three picks. So, no wonder they lost this game. Uh, no. Desmond Ritter, bad play. Don't feel bad about it if you lost to a lineup with Desmond Ritter in it. Keep losing to that moron. It won't happen very often. All right, looking at some running backs here. Let's take a look at Brees Hall. He had a great game, delivered well over value, 2.6x return on value, 17.8 points, great. 12 carries, 39 yards, touchdown, but it's the pass game involvement that really brings him up here. Five catches, 54 yards. Being involved in the passing game adds so much more room for success in these running backs. But 17.8 points. Top five running back score on the week. Was he a good play? Absolutely not. He was not a good play. Before this game, the very sad, tragic New York Jets, at least that's what we were thinking about them Sunday morning. Remember that. Go back in time. Live all up and down this timeline. And on Sunday morning, the Jets were just sad. And they were playing one of the league's best, Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles, I think, were 10-plus point favorites in this game. And the Jets are going in, again, facing a negative game script and facing one of the league's best run defenses and one of the also best pass funnel defenses to target. 26th rank against the pass in the league is the Phillies D. So the Jets should have been down early in this game. And Zach Wilson should have been put in a position to throw a lot. If anybody on the Jets, you should have been targeting Garrett Wilson, who also had a decent game, you know, when you're grading on the Jets curve. So despite Brees Hall popping off, and despite him being a young, super talented running back, probably going to be a top three runner at some point in his career in this league, going into this week, no, you shouldn't have played him. He shouldn't have even made your player pool. But the outcome after the games could make you second guess. Don't. Sticking with the young running back theme, let's take a look at yours truly, Bijan Robinson. 7600 I believe. Pretty affordable price heading into the weekend. Going up against a Washington defense that we had just watched on primetime give up a 40 bomb to the Chicago Bears. Bijan Robinson at home, favored by points, coming off that sweet behind-the-back replay that nobody wants to admit was him almost fumbling and recovering, but... You know, branding is branding. But in this game, 1.4x value returned to you and only 10.5 points in an overall disappointing game. So, was he a good play? John Robinson was a good play. And you should play him every single week when his price makes sense. He gave you in this game what you wanted. 
he had 13 carries and five receptions. I don't even have his target numbers in front of me. So he at least had 18 touches. If you see Bijan Robinson getting 15 or more in a game, you play him. If he's 8K, 15 touches is still good enough. That's how explosive of a player he is. This is just purely when he did run the ball in his carries, they're just the lanes didn't open up. It just didn't happen. You know, weatherman's calling for rain all week. And then, like I said on the Friday pod, it ain't showing up. So it just didn't show up. But you got to keep going back to the well. This is a player you keep in your player pool. Every single time his price makes sense. Every time your evaluation puts him in there, you play him, you play him, you play him. Because over a big sample size, you're going to be the victor. So keep Bajon Robinson in your player pool. He was a good play. You lost the right way this week if you lost with Bajon Robinson. Let's dip down and take a look at one more running back, Rashad White, Tampa Bay Bucks. Kind of slides in to me as kind of that Madison level of a running back, although Madison doubled him up this week in terms of points. Nothing to be uber excited about with Rashad White, obviously, but he's the only guy back there in the Buccaneers' backfield. So the question is, with the matchup, with being at home, was he a good play? If you have eyeballs and are watching the football games, actually, then you know the answer. Rashad White's not a good play. He wasn't a good play this week, despite being at home. Like I said, Detroit is top four in the league against the run. This was an obvious passing situation for the Buccaneers. Although, through the air, I think this week what we kind of saw Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield. Right? A lot of missed receivers this week by Baker, so they weren't able to connect through Godwin or Evans, but the answer was never going to be on the ground with Rashad White. Rashad White looks like washed up now Joe Mixon. Now. So I wish Lenny Fournette was still back in the league. He'd be a great fit on this Buccaneers team down in Tampa. Uh, But Rashad White, I don't think he's the answer at all moving forward. To me, I have him ranked below even Damian Pierce at this point. Okay, and we'll take one last look here at another player, wide receiver and slate breaker, Devontae Adams. Facing New England, but at home, which means New England's coming from East Coast, about a six-hour flight to Vegas, you know, on an afternoon window. Adams only getting in this game two catches for 29 yards, 3.9 fantasy points, good for .5x value. So the question is, with a horrendous outcome, was Devontae Adams a good play? Yes, he was. Because before this game, before his second bad game in a row had actually occurred, remember, we're going back in time. We are ourselves on Saturday and Sunday morning. Devontae Adams was a top wide receiver in the NFL who is a perennial slate breaker and one rule of the player pool is you don't mess with slate breakers and you get them in where you can and i'll tell you this even i didn't get Devonte adams in a lineup this week so Devonte adams slate breaker a guy you just plug and play especially at home in a dome especially with jimmy garoppolo thrown to him if you played him that's a smart sharp hard dfs play you did it good job going forward i don't know i don't know if Devonte adams can really be useful. I don't know if raw opportunity can get him there. But then again, the opportunity is starting to slide away from him the last couple of games. Not a lot of targets in this game for the second week in a row. 
almost as if the Raiders are using him as a decoy to open up Jacoby Myers, who is playing outside of his mind so far this year. So, Devontae, I think you have all the talent in the world, but you chose a bad franchise, a, a, a traditionally bad, bad franchise. And this is what happens. Good play for this past slate, but heading into the future, Devontae, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well, that is good play or bad play. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Give me some feedback if that was helpful or not. The main purpose beyond having fun is truly to remind you that don't be so, you know, don't be so results-based all the time. Now, obviously, results matter. That's what we're here for. But give yourself credit when things don't work out and acknowledge when stupid plays just happen to work. Okay, there's still some random occurrence in DFS. Things happen, like Desmond Ritter for throwing 47 freaking times. That'll take him three more games to get that many pass attempts out. So, again, kind of an exercise just to remind you, sometimes you're right, even when you're wrong. Stick to your player pool. And that's all I have for Tuesday's show. Slightly different format in this episode. Let me know if you all like it. Let me know if you want me to go back to the old way where I roll through every single game or just do it all. We got time here. So do my best to keep these under an hour. I know you guys actually have lives unlike myself. So uh, just kidding, but seriously. Anyway, again, appreciate all the interaction, good or bad. I, I think overall this week, pretty low scoring, less success across the board in the player pool, but still to have any success at all in such a small following. I mean, this this following at this point, just from the data I can read, is right at a, around 100 listeners across all the platforms. So pretty small group of people playing in DFS, you know, where there's contests with a quarter million entries in them. So we still have a lot of ability here to – get our stuff together and shape up before I think the news spreads. However, I would ask you, spread that news. Spread the love of DFS. I think anyone who's played season long their entire lives, if properly introduced to daily fantasy and how to play, I think they would love it. You know, my dad was telling me, uh, I think it was an, uh, just an old friend of his, you known him for decades, played fantasy football with him for decades. Uh, you know, he's telling me this weekend how he, the friend had happened to dabble into DFS and, and just realized like, oh yeah, this is it. You know, this is it because it's it whether you realize it or not. You love it because you have more control over it throughout the season instead of just relying on draft picks made in August, you know, early September. That's why DFS is, is so fun. So you're in it every week. So spread that love. I think it's only good to make sure that as we go forward, Daily Fantasy thrives and keeps on growing. So just very passionate about it. Hope you guys are too. Uh, if you need any help going into the next week, like I said, it's good to take a couple days off, but I'll be hitting it pretty hard uh, towards you know the end of the week. Uh, please reach out to me, theplayerpoolpodcast at gmail.com. A couple people have emailed me. I send you back you know a couple paragraphs if I can. I mean, it's pretty in-depth. At the same time, Twitter, I'm on there. I feel like that's super interactive. I've definitely dropped the ball on Instagram, and that's because a couple years ago I got rid of Instagram, my personal Instagram, for my personal health. Uh, but you know, I can only manage a couple social media sites at once, but I do realize between Instagram and TikTok, a lot of people were not reaching and I've caught engagements late on Instagram and I apologize for that. So I'm going to try to just be a little bit more above water there and see everybody when they come in, but please, please, please spread the word, send a link to your friends. Make sure you like, and subscribe. Appreciate y'all. Hope you're loving the player pool. Hope you're having fun this NFL season. We'll see you Friday morning. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Player Pool Pods.